0: Hey nerds, welcome to the Captain's Quarters, a Star Trek rewatch podcast where we are rewatching the entire Star Trek series, starting at the beginning of the timeline, starting with Star Trek Enterprise. Today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 5, called A Night in Sick Bay." My name is Gabe, and I'm here with Jason. Make it so, Jason.
1: Ahoy, Captain Gabe. How are you?
0: Doing well. Let's do the abbreviated synopsis. And then we'll get into the so. we'll get into the details. What do you say? Make it so. All right. So the crew visits planet Cretassa. We met the Cretassans before. They came on board the Enterprise, and they were offended because the humans were eating with their mouths in front of them, and they were highly offended, and um basically stormed off the ship type situation. And um, so this time the Enterprise needed a, uh, a repair. And so they needed a part, and the Cretassans had a good one. So they go to Cretassa, and they basically have to wait in orbit. Um, Eventually, they let them down, and again, they are the Crutassins are offended. They get sent away without their part. Archer is very hurt by this. They get back to... So they're back on the Enterprise, uh, and when they're back, they decontaminate. We have a scene with them. We've had one of these scenes before in the, the decontamination room where they're rubbing some sort of decontamin decontamination, um, substance, uh, medicine, I don't know, a cleanser on themselves and they're scantily clad when they do so. Uh, they, even, they have to rub it on Porthos. Porthos went with them uh, on Cretassa. Um, Dr. Phlox detects Porthos has a pathogen, so they take him to sickbay. Uh, we find out that Dr. Phlox has tons of medical degrees including veterinarian degrees. Um, And so basically Porthos is in bad shape. Uh, He goes from a a pathogen being detected to worse to worse and worse. Um, Gets really bad. Archer is really preoccupied. Uh, Archer ends up staying in sick bay just to be with Porthos, his pet. and. Um, they end up, um, trying, they're, Porthos has various, like, um, peaks and valleys in his treatment, but at one point, um, you know, at at multiple points, it looks like he's not going to make it, um, at the same time, uh, Phlox notes that Archer is, like, very frustrated, and not just because of Porthos. Uh, and then Flocks puts together that maybe Captain Archer is attracted to to Paul. And Archer at first like, what are you talking about? But it seems to be true because Archer has a like a dream about to Paul. And then uh, at one point they both go to the gym, and there's a, a tension between them for sure. Um. So, at, in, at one point in Porthos' uh, treatment, his pituitary gland gets destroyed. Phlox takes a pituitary gland from a chameleon and transplants it into Porthos. Um, and Porthos makes it through. And at the end, Archer has to kind of confront these feelings with T'Pol. Talks to her, but you know, doesn't flat out say what maybe he's feeling. And she kind of indicates that if they, if it wasn't like forbidden by the rules, because you know, she is his subordinate and it's directly against the rules for them to uh, do stuff, she says if that wasn't the case maybe they'd have a different conversation, but because that is the case, then they don't, they're not gonna worry about it. It's not a thing, but she kind of almost indicates that, like, if that wasn't a rule, then then maybe there would be something there. And that's the very end of the episode. And so, uh, and then they do, oh, I'm sorry, the very end of the episode is actually, uh, them figuring out how to, um, to apologize for, for the Kretasins and what we find out what they offended them with was that when Porthos was down there on the planet, Porthos actually urinated on um, these sacred trees that the Kretasins had, which is pretty funny because they were highly offended by just them eating with their mouths, right? So the fact that their dog peed on one of their trees to me is like a thousand times worse Um, so uh, Archer the way that he apologizes is this like intricate ritual apology where um, he literally is like shirtless and he's like chanting and he has to slice a tree with a chainsaw and um, it's ridiculous and the best part is is that like tucker and company are watching him do this making a just a complete jackass out of himself in front of the Cretassins. but the Cretassins, um actually it works and they forgive him and they get their uh their plasma injectors is what it is is what the the part they're after and then they're they're good to go so that was it that was the abbreviated synopsis what would you think of the episode jason
1: um. So, two things struck me. Uh, this was the first time... I just want to point something out. Um, that this was the first time we've ever seen timestamps.
0: I saw that, yeah.
1: On, uh, uh, in a Star Trek episode. It, I think it started at, like, 8.42. And I'm surprised it wasn't in military time, either. Unless it was 8.42 in the morning. But I, I don't think it was. I don't um, think it was, either. Yeah, so I think it was 8.42 at night. But, yeah, this was the first time we've ever seen a timestamp throughout the episode. It was, like... Eight forty-two, and then midnight, and then one, and then you know one, and then three o'clock or or something like that. But this was the first time, so that was really interesting. And so this was—I thought this episode was really interesting because not only is it the one of the few times that we have a Star Trek: The Next Generation. Star Trek Deep Space Nine kind of character exploration driven episode and in a lot of these episodes we've had aliens of the week or it was they've been very much more um, reminiscent of the original series where we were every week we'd come to a different planet and we'd come to meet new aliens and all this kind of stuff But this was one of the episodes that it was really character-driven. And in many ways, it was a Porthos and Archer character-driven episode, Mm -hmm. which I found to be really... um, To be really... uh, To be really... Pleasing? Not pleasing, but, you know, it was it was unex- it was a little unexpected but it was also like something that as a fan that i very much enjoy the character driven episodes uh instead of alien of the week and and don't get me wrong the cretessens you know we see them again and we see how they're fairly secretive and you know um won't divulge why they were offended and so easily offended um so uh, yeah i very much enjoyed this episode because in many ways porthos was you know again it was archer and porthos driven along with Flocks and yeah. paul
0: yeah so this was um this should have been my favorite episode because it's like my favorite characters i love porthos <laughs> i love Flocks. i love to paul um so yeah um you know we find out some cool stuff i always love like the the character building like okay so we find out how archer got the dog he got yep. um he had a girlfriend who had a beagle and the beagle had puppies and that's how the we four kn- musketeers yeah uh the, the beagle had four puppies the four musketeers and obviously he named porthos after one of the four musketeers mm-hmm. and so he's had he's had porthos since porthos was a, a small puppy
1: do you remember do you remember The Musketeers?
0: No, I don't. Just out of curiosity? No, okay. I don't. Yeah. Okay. I never read it. <laughs> oh! Yeah, do okay. you? Okay,
1: okay. Yeah, it's um, Athos, Aramis, and D'Artagnan.
0: Okay. Good job. Um, so, you know, um, you can tell that Archer, like, loves Porthos. Yes. And he is freaked out. That the dog is sick yes extremely concerned going through all the emotions he's pissed off he's like sad he's panicking like this is his dog and basically um at one point he's kind of even blames the cretacins like if i find out that they did something i don't know what he was gonna do but it sounded like he was gonna rain hell on them
1: so the the interesting thing to me is that it, was, it wasn't It was until minutes into the episode, early few minutes into the episode, where we find out that Porthos is sick. But he's already frustrated with the cretassans and that they've done something wrong and the cretassans won't tell them what they've done wrong. Right. So there's frustration already building. Mm-hmm. And then, on top of that, it goes even deeper because he's worried about his dog, which is completely completely understandable.
0: but according and relatable. but according to flocks, who we find out has degrees in psychiatry, yeah mm-hmm. in addition to medicine and yep. vet, uh, veterinary vet, veterinary medicine veterinarian medicine, yep. veterinarian medicine. Yep. Um,
1: and I think he's also got degrees in um, hematology and botanical pharmacology, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, I wish I would have wrote them all down to count them, cause it was a lot. Cause it yeah, wasn't it was just like
1: six or yeah, something like that. Yeah,
0: six in just one field.
1: Right, right. That's true. Yeah, that's true.
0: Um, but but so according to Flocks, because that was part of Phlox's observation was from a psychiatry standpoint that he basically diagnosed Archer with being sexually frustrated. He was also kind of just doing the math. Hey, we've been out here. I
1: thought that was a little. Okay, the reason why I enjoy character driven episodes mm-hmm. is because when you delve into someone's character, you get to delve into their personality and their relationships with the rest of the crew. So this one to me felt kind of vulgar out of left field okay because one, we don't we haven't gotten to the point where... Yes, you like, as a viewer, you could kind of see there was tension between Archer and Paul, mm-hmm. And that came out of left field that there was sexual tension between the two characters. And then secondly, Archer's relationship with Dr. Flox is, because we haven't seen them together... And, you know, go through hardship or, you know, have those moments before. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised at how candid Dr. Phlox was to the captain. Right. Without having built or knowing that they've built a relationship where Dr. Phlox would be comfortable in saying those things. Right. Because at first I was like, ooh that's way out of line for him to say yeah like he asked archer when was the last time he was intimate with a woman i was like whoa
0: right captain but he was asking rhetorically he was doing the math
1: oh yeah we've we've been out here a year yeah i
0: know you can't have relations with subordinates ergo everyone here is your subordinate ergo you know what i mean
1: sure (laughs) sure and so that was a little surprising that he would say that, and, you know. Well, but, yeah, I, I, I could see that aspect of it, too.
0: It's also a very, like, super scientific, like, evolutionary viewpoint of behavior. It's like, yeah, like, I can't imagine a, a Western psychiatrist saying that to a patient um or even really considering it like hey you're moody when's the last time you had sex you know what i mean like like i can't even fathom that being a thing they would say right
1: right and and i (laughs) totally understand and i and i think this was kind of where this episode was driving the characters was that the vulcan and the donubulan didn't understand human relationships with their furry family member.
0: Right. That's true. Yeah. And we've hit on that before when they don't understand, um, humans compassion for their pets.
1: Yeah. And so because they were, you know, cause Archer and flock Dr. Flox were talking about on Denobula. If there was, if there were animals that they thought, that Denobulans held to importance, and Doctor Flock says it's the lemur. It's what the Denobulan lemur or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And then, without giving further context, they're prized and important because their liver is a mm-hmm. is a um, delicacy. delicacy, and not you know companionship or you know furry family member. Right. And then you know. And then to Paul, accusing Captain of caring more about his dog having fresh air than right the 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 um, the efficiency and the health of the ship because they were down a plasma injector
0: right. Um, it. I I thought I always thought, Flocks's bat. I always thought he looked at that as kind of a pet.
1: Yeah! Yeah! Exactly! Exactly! And I guess because he talks to because in the episode like and before, and we get to see it more closely now. He's in his med bay all the time, mm-hmm. you know, feeding them and talking to his right to the leeches and all the animals mm-hmm. and all the other creatures in his medical in his um yeah in his med bay. So I was like, mm, okay, interesting.
0: Yeah. To your point. Right. Yeah um one more thing before but i guess not. I, before i forget about Flocks, we we learn about uh Denobulin, uh toenails yeah. they're they're <laughs> sharp and striped and long yep yes and so they show Flocks trimming his toenails in there yes uh i just thought that was interesting
1: and then we also know more about his wives and his right. family so he's like three wives and his wives have husbands right and then you know
0: so he has three wives and each wife has three husbands right yeah and yeah, so or
1: as many husbands as possible and he's not the only one
0: right so this tree of relationships branches way out into hundreds of people and so yeah um you know that was kind of like endearing like because you know fox is an outcast basically um, just, you know, not being, being one of two non-humans in, you know, he has good relations with everybody, but there are f- like these fundamental differences that would be hard, if not impossible to overcome, but you could see that, you know, he had fond memories of his family. And, uh, I thought that was kind of endearing just hearing, um, the actor, I, he did a great job. I thought Billingsley did a great job. Sort of like I totally bought into this whole emotional backstory. Sure. Of you know yearning for for that his yeah. past, but but also you know like he like he said uh, they live a long time, so right now he's he's a doctor on a ship, but you know he'll be back someday. So don't like feel too bad for him type thing. Right. And we learn about his family his, yeah. his uh, children and we learn he has two sons who don't talk mm-hmm. to him
1: mm-hmm. uh, and two daughters and three sons
0: yeah i think that's that sounds right yeah um
1: so what did you think about um what did you think about the archer and to pull sexual attention
0: yeah so and
1: having feelings for one another
0: yeah so i wanted to talk about it maybe from a different angle oh sure um so this show is 20 years old before a lot of social media maybe yeah maybe all social media for all i know um
1: maybe aol instant messenger
0: yeah i was trying to think when was myspace (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea but the world has changed a lot but Here's the thing with this show. Okay. When At the beginning, when they're decontaminating, mm-hmm. you can tell it's supposed to be like kind of like spicy or saucy or whatever. Like they're, mm-hmm. you know, Archer's shirtless.
1: I thought it was pretty appropriate in COVID times though.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, All jokes aside. Yeah. And so Tapal is wearing like... A ting top and very short shorts. So and so is Sato. so is, Sato. And so is Hoshi Sato. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so is Sato. Here's the thing, though. Like, like okay, so Jolene Blaylock, she's a model, right? An actress.
1: Yeah, a- she was. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: actress and a model. Mm-hmm. And you know, so she's like, whatever, has a nice body. But here, here, uh-huh. here's the thing. So, so first of all, whenever there's like, um, women and sexuality. The last yep. thing that the world needs is another man, like, weighing in on it. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I feel like I'm about to weigh in, but I feel like I need to preface it oh, on, I need to preface I see. it like,
1: oh, I see.
0: you know, I don't want to, like, I don't know anything, and I'm, I don't want to f- feel like I'm mansplaining to anybody. Yeah, sure, sure, but sure. But I guess I'm just more asking the question of, like, so she's, sure. she's literally just wearing a shirt, right? Yeah. You know? And
1: they're wearing tank tops, let's not, you know, Yeah, but like they're wearing tank tops and, you know, um, and short shorts.
0: But to my social media comment, like nowadays, okay. like you go on Instagram and it's just like you see people wearing things that are hundred times more, more revealing than that, right? And sure. And so just because somebody looks a certain way and is wearing something doesn't mean that it's like sexual and i think that is what this show is doing but i also attribute a lot of that to the era which it came out in when like you know certain things could be considered risqué that wouldn't be considered now risque now yeah i could see that for sure but but i think but yeah no go ahead no i I just think that like like oh look at her and like you know that was like supposed to be archers, like the the root of this attraction, because Phlox portrays it as a sh- a sexual thing, right? Mm-hmm. But there was nothing sexual other than they she was wearing a tank top. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but I also don't think it stems solely. See, this is why this is why this came out of left field because. I didn't read into just because they were the three of them there was one man archer and two females um topol and sato and that they were all half naked I didn't think that to, I didn't think that it was based the, you know based on that It seemed like that this has been a long time coming mm. and because they mentioned the episode they've been arguing and disagreeing for a couple of months now and this was the, and this is the first and this is why I enjoy the character driven episodes where you have the interaction and the relationship building between the characters so you get to know them more mm-hmm. right Yeah, and and this is why and that's why it was a surprise to me that there is this tension that You know, originally from the onset, I thought it was just the difference between a Vulcan and a human Mm -hmm. that, hey, why are you, you know, you know, from the Vulcan's perspective, you have a duty to your crew and to your ship and your dog is, you know, further down the chain. And from Archer's perspective, hey, I'm, you know, it's my dog. I've had him since he was, what, six weeks old or 12 weeks old or whatever. And there's an emotional connection. And that I thought that's where, originally I thought that's where they were going. And that there was going to be just the Vulcan human Mm -hmm. alien differences. I didn't think they were going to go deeper because they have not hinted at it before.
0: The only thing I can think is, I think it was in Shadows of Pajem when they are captured And, you know, the Andorians end up saving them. Uh, They're tied up together, and they end up like kind of falling on each other.
1: Right. But even then, there wasn't... I didn't... I didn't... And maybe I'm just dense, that I didn't notice that there was... That there's been sexual tension between the two characters.
0: Yeah. Well, I see that's i think that's what i was getting at and like i think maybe you're probably more balanced which is just like because literally all that's happening in the scene is she's just wearing less clothes or whatever but she's not like naked
1: and i didn't think anything of it yeah but i but i see i think
0: i think though that is what they were like going for it was supposed to be a like saucy spicy moment
1: uh, yeah. See, I did not. I did not pick up on that. <laughs> like, because I was like, oh yeah, they have to be half naked because of the decon chamber, and then I was like, oh, okay. He's now being competitive with her on the treadmill. Oh, that's the other thing. This is the first time I think we've ever seen a quote unquote gym on a ship.
0: Oh, is that, yeah. I guess that's right. Yeah.
1: I mean, we see holodecks, and they go on the holodeck, and you know, or we've seen like rooms where they fence or you know play like racquetball from the future kind of sports right and those kinds of things but this was the first time we've ever seen a gym and that i thought that was kind of cool to have a gym and then the treadmill right and he was and then archer was being a little competitive with uh T'Pol they both they
0: both were yeah yeah they, they were. They kept one-upping each, each other, other. Which I guess you could read into, like, well, why does this person care if this person thinks that they're super athletic? And then you could read into that, like, well, they like each other because they care what they think about yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. I, I was
1: like, wow, this is really I- immature emotional behavior <laughs> oh, yeah. Both characters. Yeah. Shall time. I say?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't and know then when I... they
1: addressed the sexual tent and then when they addressed their attraction towards one another at the end. Yeah. Could they be more vague
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: at what they were talking about?
0: <laughs> well, I think I think there was a body language that the t- Sure that the actress was giving off. I think she was
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: She did a good job, like providing the subtext that her words weren't providing which is that like like she's basically kind of like looking at him like um in a way she hadn't looked at him before
1: right and so that to me was a little bit uh again because this was the first time they've even addressed sexual tension or attraction towards one another um so that's why I thought it was a little bit out of left field. Right. Because we've never explored the characters that in-depthly before to have those kinds of things said or done. And there was no hint of it from before. So that's why I was a little surprised.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I I don't know how surprised I was. I feel like I could have called it. Because I feel like TV, they have to have like a love interest. It's like a rule of TV um and i sure i figured that archer was gonna have some kind of relationship <clears throat> you know i mean every show needs their ross and rachel so anytime i start a new show sure. i'm like okay who's ross who's rachel you watched
1: the friends reunion didn't you <laughs>
0: of course i did <laughs> um but you know you know so it was like okay well obviously archer's ross and she's rachel but but i don't sure. know but i feel like star trek you know, has enough going on, they don't need that to, to anchor yeah, a show. so
1: that's why... That's why I thought... So do you think it added, or do you think it subtracted from just the uh, alien differences between the Denobulan, the human, and the Vulcan? I thought that's where it was going, to hmm. be honest with you. I thought it was just a misunderstanding between the three different alien races and then that was it right and then that was going to be and then they were going to have an understanding that yes the captain you know that Porthos is the captain's furry family member and not just this you know um not just a pet or a dog
0: yeah you know
1: and that how could someone have um love or care for a quote-unquote lesser form lesser life form
0: yeah i guess i guess for me like they established very early on in this in this show phlox's fascination with humans and just his study of their behavior, and and just noting their capacity for compassion, and including the human pet relationship, they've touched on that before. Flocks has they have yeah yeah so and
1: and I thought, and I thought that's, and I thought he would be. I thought Doctor Flocks would be a little more more understanding.
0: Well, I, I got to be honest. I felt like the Paul Archer component of it cheapened the relationship between Porthos and Archer because because it seemed like what the episode was trying to say was that Archer's fixation on Porthos was really his outlet for dealing with his sexual frustration
1: and as opposed
0: to like an authentic love for his dog which I do think he has but it's it it seemed to suggest that, like, if he wasn't sexually frustrated, he wouldn't have been as preoccupied with the health of his dog. Um, and so...
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I, I did not like that. I did not, I did like not that. see that. I didn't like that.
1: <laughs> I did not see that at all. Well, um, not that you're wrong and I'm right, yeah. but, you know, it's just, you know, two very different opinions from two uh, viewers, yeah, and that's why this is fun.
0: Yeah, well, I'm just trying to say, like, in the throes of all this, like, him freaking out about his dog, Flock's response is to say, "When's the last time you got laid?" You know what I right. mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Because you're not handling this well, and it's like, as opposed to being like, "Man, you really love your dog, man," you know. So that's all I was saying. But um, I don't know this this episode. There wasn't like too much going on other than it was one of those episodes where it was pretty self-contained in that yep. way so
1: and and that's why i enjoy these episodes where we do get to delve in to the characters mm-hmm. um and yeah it may be the you know the sitting on the couch psychiatry star trek but that's that's part of the storytelling that I really much very much enjoy is not only do we explore space and get to meet new species but we also get to explore the human and alien condition, right, of each right. character and the individuals of each character. Right. So so from my perspective, I thought that again, I really only thought that it was they were going to explore not only the alien, but the personal differences between the three characters. And I did not see um, the attraction coming. And then I did not. And then I thought it was just a different perspective that Flocks and Captain Archer, uh, that we have not yet explored, and that we got to explore. Right. While watching the episode.
0: Mm hmm. All right. Well,
1: and then I also think that, you know, Archer had to. So, okay. So, here's the other part that I enjoyed mm-hmm. is that. So, I love when we see the multifacetedness of Archer. It used to annoy me, but I, it fascinates me and it's fun now because, on one hand, he's this explorer and wants to go and explore new species and new worlds. And yet, when he runs into frustrations with the Cretassans in this episode, where they're not saying what or why they're disappointed, or why they're not giving them the plasma injectors, is that he gets frustrated. And yet, Tucker points out that he has been trained in the art of diplomacy, and That he's not more patient, and that he's not more diplomatic, and that he won't swallow his pride, as Paul points out, to apologize for whatever they did wrong, in the Kirtassan's view.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: So I very much enjoyed that part, where we get to see his humanity and his humanness come through right because he was like i'll water you know the Elverin tree myself or whatever. <laughs> oh <laughs> that right to
0: that was his uh gonna be his response if something bad yeah. happened to porthos right
1: and did you think that the Cretassins poisoned him
0: oh poisoned
1: porthos because they were offended
0: Man I don't I think they didn't come across as that adversarial. I mean yeah. it, and if you remember when we were introduced to them was in Vox Sola yeah. and mm-hmm. they were in the ship was infected by that uh weird alien from the cretastic oh, ship that's true. So it is fitting that, like you know, last time the whole ship was infected. This time, Porthos was infected by a different, you know, a different issue, but a, a, a different uh, pathogen. But um, I guess you can't call the thing in Voxola a pathogen. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there seems to be because it was an alien. There was a parallel m- motif there. Yeah. Um, so I think that. The cretassins, um maybe live in an environment that's that's flush with things that uh, are parasitic. Let's say, right? <laughs> I don't know.
1: So you think the Cretaccins may have just been careless?
0: I don't. I I think that there the lesson was, you know, Archer, you brought your dog out of it was illogical to bring your dog off oh, the safe confines of the ship yeah yeah mm-hmm. it was illogical and to an alien planet yeah yeah and you you paid mm-hmm. the price sure i think that's what it was
1: okay yeah
0: i guess i am hung up though jason on like because i feel like star trek gets so much right so many things correct okay with with respect to science and i i like almost like Maybe like the things that are in the script, I like take as gospel for real scientific stuff. I, but this is at least the second time when they've attributed behavior to sexual frustration in the show, and I, yeah. I wonder what the root of that is. Like, like, do you think there was a, um, a psychiat, a psychiatric um, advisor? that gave them an idea? Do you think the, the writers just invented it out of whole cloth? Do you think it's founded in something real? Because like, I don't actually know if there is a um, a school of thought or a school of medicine that, that traces like all behavioral issues to like sexual problems, because that seems to be what this show does <laughs> or has done, like I said, at least twice. I mean that's why they went to, to the planet Riza, right?
1: Oh, um, yeah. Uh, sorry, you cut out there for a little bit, so I didn't.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I was. Uh, where did I cut out?
1: Uh, so you were talking about the premise behind. The sexual tension whether there was a psychiatrist or this was just written to move the story forward or where the where mm-hmm. the sexual tension comes from basically right yeah um that's a good question i i don't know um yeah i don't know the answer to that i i mm. And see, for me, I thought... And again, I keep coming back to it... That I thought the alien differences were enough. And that I thought... That having sexual attraction... And it makes sense. It's the bachelor, bachelorette... Kind of... You know, encamped mentality... Where you're... You know, where you're on this thing... Whether it be... On a show, or on a ship, or whatever... And that it would be natural to have uh, attract to be attracted to someone that you spend so much time with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think and I call it the bachelor bachelorette kind of syndrome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, because when you know, you know, when you're when you spend that much time, you're you know, it's bound. It's usually bound to happen that they're usually will be a relationship here and there
0: isn't that what to says at the end
1: yeah she does <laughs> yeah she does but whether or not that that was like again trying to deflect or you know being vague again mm-hmm. i don't know but yeah i i definitely think yeah. that there was that and and maybe the writers did do it that way that hey this is The first time humans have gone into space for this long and, you know, um, Captain Archer has only had the one attraction, one attraction on Ryza? Mm, mm Hmm. One. Has it, has that been the only one?
0: For the whole show?
1: So far? Yeah. So far?
0: No, there was another one, um, when they went to that pre-industrial society planet uh, and there was, like, a mysterious power source. Oh, um, yeah, 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 There was yeah. a female there that he kissed.
1: Yeah. Um, right. But that was only because of the conjuring up from his childhood that this was a... That they had scoped his mind. No,
0: that- no, that was different. No. Uh,
1: oh, you're, okay.
0: You're talking about the one that was... Um, the shape-shifting oh, alien oh yeah that's right that that's was when right. they're on that's that hunting right. planet right this, that's right this okay. was the one that's where right. there there was like a someone who was masquerading as one of the locals but he was actually like mining that's something. right that's yeah. right okay and, po- yep, and poisoning that's right. the locals when Archer first goes down, he meets like a, a doctor or something. Right, that's right. But he that's he right. does wow. he does kiss her.
1: Right, that's right. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. I think that's so. While the he's time. not so, while the show hasn't written Archer to be like a Kirk, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I could see I could see it. I could see that that you know that they may have written it to you know to have that bachelor bachelorette syndrome okay is there a proper name for that
0: i I don't know no idea again i want to know if they founded this idea of of behavioral conduct in something real or if they just made it up because and
1: that's why i thought and that's why i was trying to answer it you know trying to Mm -hmm. say oh maybe it was i don't know yeah and it's because she did, and be, it's because Tepaul did have that pseudo sort of explanation at the end.
0: Right. Uh,
1: that you're stuck in confinement with, you know, mm-hmm. and you could be attracted.
0: Right. Another thing, character building with Flocks, was yeah. uh, he has a very long tongue. Because when because when they're getting ready for bed in sick bay, he's like cleaning his tongue and he like sticks it out, and it's like twelve yeah. inches long yeah so i just liked that um
1: and did you did you did you mind that archer was bothered by flox's it seemed like he it seemed like archer was annoyed by flox's nightly rituals
0: again i i i don't like how it seems like everything archer did was diminished down to this like urge that he was struggling with
1: yeah yeah I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Oh, and I I, I also want to point out um that we that in his in the uh in Archer's dream where he dreams that Porthos dies, mm-hmm. did you notice the two headstones? It said Duffy and Goldie. No. So he, mm-hmm. he had he so Archer had mentioned that he had grown up with dogs. Oh. So I thought it was kind of cool that you know they finally gave names to those, to the two dogs that he may have had. Int- while growing up. Duffy and Goldie, which was kind of
0: cool. Interesting. I did not notice that. Well, anything else you want to talk about with this episode? Uh,
1: I, You know, the last thing um, I want to talk about, and I just want to point out, the... the um, I don't know what you call... I don't think you call call it a model, or a prosthetic, or the inanimate... Porthos? Porthos, I thought was excellent. Excellent. When they had him in the tank. Yeah. And I think the other one was the scene where Porthos is sleeping. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they used an inanimate dog
0: Mm-hmm. yeah I I thought it was good it wasn't 100% accurate like I, th- no. I think the fur was too long and yeah. I don't know but I was um, I wasn't bumped by it I, I literally forgot about it until you just said it so it wasn't I thought
1: yeah so that's why I was like oh it, they did a pretty good job
0: it was better than Grand Moff Tarkin a thousand times better than Grand Moff Tarkin in uh, Rogue One
1: oh i thought that was not too bad Dude, that was terrible i thought that, that was, was not too bad terrible it's the beginning of the technology did, they've gotten better did
0: you see that movie in the theater
1: i did twice yeah
0: i, I can't admit i because
1: it, it is my second favorite star Wars I know, movie. That, yeah take that star wars fan that's why I had, rogue one the second my second favorite star wars movie
0: that's why i had to take a, <laughs> a jab at it because i i don't know how you're not totally bumped by it especially if you saw it in the theater i don't know how you weren't completely bumped i by did
1: it. not mind it um you know why because one i love i i res- i respect that they got peter cushing's family's blessing mm-hmm. to go for to move forward with it and i think it would have taken away from the story First, first, I would have hated for it them to recast the character and show that it was plainly someone playing Grand Moff Tarkin um, without actually sort of you know trying to look like the character. So I think it would have changed the story completely. If Grandma of Tarkin was not part of the movie.
0: I think they should have stylized it. They should have they should have had Tarkin, but only show him as a reflection in in the window.
1: Oh, that would have been tough though. But and
0: then and then the parts where he had to like talk directly to other characters, like when he's like walking around the ship.
1: Oh, that they should been tough, they should have given
0: that to the other commander guy. So did
1: you not like what they did to Princess Leia and then Luke in The Mandalorian?
0: Um so for Princess Leia, I thought she was also really bad in Rogue One. Okay. Uh, at the very end. Okay. I thought it it looked ridiculous. She was her she was <laughs> okay. motionless except her mouth was moving okay. too fast. Okay 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 uh the luke one in mandalorian i thought was better it didn't look perfect but i don't like when i think back on that episode all i think about is joy like i was like literally crying because i was so surprised and happy the
1: same thing <laughs> on the mandalorian
0: i know like but like in, I, in Rogue one. I completely forgot that the cgi wasn't spectacular until you just said that really until
1: you pull back from the actor who played him and they just kind of showed the actor's face and not luke
0: yeah like seriously like when i think about tarkin in rogue one i don't even i don't even think about the moments or anything he says so nothing but that... when i think about mandalorian i all i all i think about is joy i didn't even think so, about how bad so the CGI is was. that
1: is that a reflection do you think of the way that ryan totally mistreated luke skywalker and totally like you know you
0: think that was cathartic for me to like yeah, get think the Luke yeah that was
1: like right because he treated luke sky he turned luke skywalker into jake yeah. skywalker i know you're being ba- that this was a re that this was that this was like yes this is the luke skywalker i remember not the jake skywalker from oh my God. um I- uh last jedi yeah last jedi
0: mm-hmm take
1: that ryan johnson fans yes i said that about jake skywalker in the last jedi i
0: I know you're baiting (laughs) me right now but like so i I I don't am i i don't agree i I don't agree with your characterization of (laughs) oh you
1: don't uh, oh because he was treated so well in the last jedi that's why it didn't bring so much joy while watching the mandalorian
0: no because see <laughs> see like the thing is that you always leave out is that Luke yes. literally pulled off arguably the most powerful force trick we've ever seen in a Star Wars movie at the end, and he was the hero of that film. He did such a powerful force so projection that, that he literally redeeming died quality doing was
1: enough it. then. If, okay, so if that redeeming quality was enough. Why do you think th- then? Why do you think it brought so much joy to see Luke Skywalker again in The Mandalorian? I mean, if you weren't so disappointed from Jake Skywalker in The Last Jedi.
0: See, I, I, your point. I get your point. Um, I, I, I did not get the childhood Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. That I got, in the, in the, That I got in the Mandalorian,
1: thank you. And it was, thank you.
0: It was you. like an amazing moment in the Mandalorian. Thank it you. It really was. Thank you. So I guess, thank
1: you. Because that was that is might be the last moment that we get to see of Luke Skywalker. Right. Potentially, I'm sure they'll bring him back in some other form.
0: Yeah, I it's hard to say like because like though for instance okay when i saw the movie solo i didn't feel that i thought that actor did a great job i thought that movie was awesome i thought it was really good um but i didn't get that childhood thing that i got from that episode of the mandalorian Mm -hmm. um so it's not like i and i don't think I don't have a problem with how they portrayed Han Solo in that movie, so okay. I don't. Okay. I don't necessarily know what it is, but I. But I do think that. Um, the. I think that they still made Luke Skywalker the ultimate hero in the Last Jedi. Jake Skywalker. He literally. Jake Skywalker. He literally expended. Himself to death, like he's he's self-sacrificed. He shot out this force projection and it was such a massive, you know, undertaking that he lost his life in the process and he saved his sister and he he actually saved the galaxy because he saved what was left of whatever they were called in that movie, the rebellion or the resistance, or I don't even know what they're called, but Mm -hmm. so that was a very, you have to admit, that was a very Luke Skywalker thing to do. To save the guy
1: oh yeah it was i mean but up to that moment of
0: but but it
1: two and a half hours of i'm gonna burn down the tree and yet he didn't
0: but (laughs) but we're supposed to and i don't think you do but i think we're supposed to appreciate how far he came in that movie because he started at a zero and he ended at a hundred you know what i mean and he had to journey through his issues to get back to being the ultimate hero i guess i i think i enjoy it more like intellectually in that regard and not emotionally like the mandalorian appearance that was pure emotion i
1: see i see or is that how you're trying to reconcile the fact that the previous two and a half hours before that moment where he quote unquote sacrifices himself Mm -hmm. to force project himself across the galaxy right to create a distraction to save his sister and the resistance Mm -hmm. that ultimately for you saves him
0: saves brings saves the movie saves the movie saves the character and saves the character yeah oh it has to if you don't if you don't have that then yeah i'm i'm on board with with your (laughs) cantankerous (laughs) 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 cantankerous well, I'm glad for <laughs> 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 criticism well, of it I'm glad <laughs> yeah oh hundred percent okay. I would still okay. be ranting okay. and raving that movie came out what like seven years ago I don't even know when that was but what last year gen- five years ago
1: yeah I think yeah ooh, fr- ooh. I should not be saying this because I miss yeared first content yeah
0: so I would still um, be, so yeah. I will I'd still be, like, blogging about it and okay. tweeting about okay. it and be pissed okay. off, but... Okay. Because, like, I'm, I'm not one to let these things go. I'm still pissed about how Game of Thrones ended, and I know you didn't... <laughs> I know you didn't get into okay. that, but it has a yeah, similar... Yeah, I,
1: I couldn't...
0: It has a similar thing that it did to Daenerys, the lead character, that it did at the end, and I feel like... Okay. I feel like the way that you feel about Luke Skywalker and Last Jedi is how I feel about game of thrones so okay I'm, I'm not above being um you know persnippity about these things so
1: okay so the last jedi i just looked it up the last jedi came out in 2017
0: so okay yeah. all right all right my man well anything else
1: um no i think that's it because we started talking about star Wars.
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right, cool. Well, in that case, you right, know, yeah. everyone follow Captain's Quarters on Twitter. Uh, Star Trek Twitter is amazing. Uh, hashtag We Are Starfleet. Thank you, thank you to the people who have
1: commented and started following the Twitter handle. Live. Yeah. yeah, we both really appreciate it. Yeah,
0: I found. I mean, there's tons of other Star Trek podcasts. There's one who's literally doing a rewatch um, of Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, oh cool we are ahead of them by a season oh cool but um yeah follow us on twitter uh definitely follow on spotify subscribe on itunes or wherever you get your podcast and live long and prosper
1: and may the force be with you